What's it like to live in a world where sports, professional, college, high school, or even weekly basketball games with friends just disappear overnight? I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. I talk about that and much more with Joe Freeman and Jamie Goldberg, two veteran sports reporters at the Oregonian Oregon Live. Later, Joe Freeman and I talk about where sports fits into our society and how strange it is for him to parachute into news coverage, which he's doing fantastically well, I should say, virtually overnight. But first, Jamie Goldberg talks about the abrupt end to her first season covering the NBA and how she's coping with the sudden change. She covered the Timbers and Thorns since coming to Oregon in 2013, but has a background in local news. Here's that conversation. Jamie Goldberg, thanks for carving out some time to chat today. Uh, how are you holding up? I'm holding up okay. I think for maybe for sports reporters, this is, I wouldn't say easy, but I am used to working from home. So I am used to days when there aren't games, spending a lot of time in my house. I have a setup here in my house to actually work. Obviously, this is a crazy time and, and it's been difficult for a lot of people. A lot of people are facing challenges that I'm not. I feel lucky that I, I still have a job, still am working, but it, it hasn't been a massive adjustment, although I do miss going outside a little bit more than I, I can right now. You know, you had just started a new beat relatively recently, and there was the playoff push or what fans and the players hoped would be the playoff push. I mean, what was your life supposed to be like right now in a in a normal world? Yeah, I think I would have just been getting back from a seven-day trip on the East Coast. I, I had already booked and scheduled uh, my travel to be in a, a Detroit, Boston, Philly, and New York over a seven-day period. It was a really big road trip for the Blazers. Obviously, their chances of making playoffs were already declining, and, and it seemed unlikely at that point. But this was going to be a big road trip to sort of decide whether they were going to make playoffs or not. And... Then everything got canceled. And of course, I was calling the airlines like everyone else to try to cancel those flights and going from expecting to be on the road most of this month to to being here at home and not necessarily knowing what I'm going to write about. But you were home when things really started to accelerate. You were here in Portland. Yeah, I was at home. There was going to be a game on March 12th against Memphis. So I was just sort of making dinner and my phone started blowing up. And uh, then if I found out that the NBA had canceled its season. And for me, I think that's when it dawned on me on just how serious this was. I, I think for many of us, it should have probably dawned on us earlier that this was something we had to take seriously, that we shouldn't be going out, that we should be social distancing. But I think March 11th, when the NBA canceled its season, is when I sort of realized, wow, this is something that's going to shut down sports. And this is a lot bigger than, than I think I thought it was. Were there any discussions in the locker room or, you know, among players or uh, folks in the organization before March 11th that this was something we should all be thinking about? Or was it kind of everyone's focused on whether Yusuf Nurkic is coming back or Zach Collins and kind of the, the fate of the, of the season? Yeah, I think the... People were much more focused on the fate of the season. I don't think anyone really realized that the season was in danger. We we obviously talked to the players a little bit about the coronavirus, and I think the biggest change was the night before uh, the NBA shut down. 
we had our first game where there was different guidelines in terms of media availability. There was no locker room access anymore. They wanted you mm-hmm. to maintain six di- six feet distance from the players. Uh, so we already had those changes going on, and we were asking about that. But I, I, I remember we asked Damian Lillard about whether he'd be willing to play in front of no fans, and, and he said that he absolutely did not want to do that. So I don't think anyone realized. I mean, that was the conversation. Are, are they going to potentially play without fans? Are they going to take a step like this? But I don't think anyone realized there was the possibility that the NBA was going to shut down entirely or um, that really didn't come into the the mindset until it happened. Now, Sourcing-wise, you know, I know it's pretty hard when you start on a new beat to get trust or just have people want to call you back. And um, now all of a sudden we're in this world where we're literally uh, your beat that you cover isn't really happening. (laughs) What's that like to be trying to cover a professional sports franchise when there is no real season right now? Pretty soon after the NBA season shut down, I I spoke with Joel, my editor, about the potential of me moving to more news coverage during this time. And I think that was the right call. I've still been able to do some sports stories. I wrote a story about Damian Lillard. He was available via Zoom call. But Overall, I haven't been doing much sports coverage. For, for the most part, I've moved straight over to news, and I think that's been a good change for for this for this moment. Um, I, I think sort of every all hands on deck. I, there's a lot of coverage that needs to take place around the coronavirus outbreak, and I think that's the most important thing that needs to be covered. Before I came to the Oregonian, I worked for two years at Mission Local. I was an editor there. It's sort of a hyper local new site in San Francisco that covers the Mission District. So I was very used to doing sort of on-the-ground news coverage and switching from beat to beat and being a small uh, sort of newspaper that that maybe we weren't as well-sourced as the San Francisco Chronicle or, or anything like that or had sources calling us back quite as much. So it sort of reminds me a little bit of that, hopping onto beat, not being someone that a lot of the people I'm contacting really know who I am. Um, but it's been, I think, an overall good transition in the sense that I feel like I've had a chance to write things that are important for the time and the moment that we're in right now. Yeah, you've written about um, the kind of the fate of food stamp recipients and uh, just today posted about the hotel and lodging industry and, and uh, uh, many other stories in the last few weeks. What's been, I mean, the most interesting for you to take on of, of the stories that you've covered? Well, there's been, I mean, it really has been a range. I've written about two articles now about Oregonians that have been stranded abroad in other countries. What I feel that that's been really important that I've been able to do, I I think if I look at one story in particular, is just uh, writing about, I think this is going to change now a little bit with the stimulus package and what it allows, but once Kate Brown sort of shut down um, non certain non essential industries, uh, industries where people have to have to make contact, can't social distance, things like hair salons, things like uh, people that do massage. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to a lot of those workers. I've written two articles about them and their access to unemployment benefits and, and what they can really do to get some financial relief at, at this time. And I think that's been important to put a face on that problem and recognize, I I think initially, um, independent contractors weren't 
included in unemployment insurance and didn't really have much access to financial relief. I think the stimulus bill is going to change that, but we have to see how it's implemented and what, how quickly those workers are able to get those funds. So I think there's still going to be more there to cover, but I think the opportunity to put a face on, on what's going on right now is the most important thing. It's pretty wild. Just a few weeks ago, Jamie, you're, I mean, you read about uh, professional athletes who are, you know, compensated at, uh, <laughs> at the rate of, you know, CEOs of some big corporations, right? And now you're writing about these workers who are contract workers. And I mean, that just shows the range of, of, of skills that you're able to, to present to readers. For me, coming into journalism, I always wanted to come in as a journalist, not as a sports reporter or not as a basketball reporter or soccer reporter. And I've always told that to people that have asked me about getting into journalism. I think it's you want to understand what it's like to cover multiple beats and what it's like to work in multiple sections. And then within that, maybe you find the thing that you fit in the best. But I I think there's so much overlap. You don't want to only be a sports reporter or you don't want to only be a soccer reporter. You want to be a well-rounded journalist that can hop onto whatever need you need to hop onto. Yeah. I was chatting with uh, our colleague, uh, Joe Freeman about this topic too. And it doesn't always work both ways, right? I mean, I'm a huge sports fan. I've written sports stories. I, I love sports. Um, I love the people and the stories, but not every journalist, I don't think would be able to do what you do and, on a plane and <laughs> write a gamer out of a, you know, a just everyday game in Milwaukee in November, for example. Yeah. I, I mean, you have to have a pretty strong understanding of the sports that you're covering for it to work. I think the most interesting thing in covering sports are the, a lot of times the human interest stories and the things that bring you away from the field or the court. But when it comes down to it, it is one of those things that's a little bit of a specialized skill. You have to have had the background of understanding these sports and um, not just understanding sort of the surface level. I think a lot of people maybe watch sports sort of at the surface level in the background, but to be able to actually analyze it, um, it takes a a different skill set that's not necessarily something you need to have to cover most beats uh, that you might cover in a newspaper. Uh, do you miss sports right now, or is this kind of a an interesting and stimulating task uh, amid this wild pandemic that we're experiencing here? Yeah, I for for me, I feel like I've been so busy, um, and I think that's probably been a good thing in, in sort of trying to provide this news coverage that I haven't really had time to sit down and, and miss sports. I think. Um, I, I'm a big baseball fan and obviously their season was about to start and I was excited to, to, to be watching more baseball this year because the NBA season wasn't going to be going on in the summer, whereas MLS did go on during the summer. So I think if I was just sort of continuing to cover sports, not writing as often, or if I was in another industry where I wasn't really working as much right now, I think that I would miss sports and I miss being able to turn on the TV and watch that. But I do feel like I have been so busy. I I think everyone at the Oregonian really has sort of nonstop working, trying to provide all this information that I almost haven't had time to sort of sit down and think about the fact that, like you said, a few weeks ago, I was in an NBA locker room covering a completely different beat. And now the NBA isn't even going on. 
You mentioned earlier, Jamie, that um, Damien Lillard had a, a Zoom call and, and had some media availability, but are you otherwise keeping in touch with players or the organization right now, or is it kind of just everyone's using this as a way to take a breather, which you know they don't get a chance to do uh, during uh, the long grind that is the NBA season? For the most part, I've tried to stay on top of breaking news, and I've actually tried to step in and stay on top of that for both the Timbers and the Blazers um, amid the coronavirus. I, I think they're, we want to make sure we are writing about anything that's going on with the professional sports in town. Uh, but because I've been really busy with sort of moving to more news coverage, I haven't been seeking out um, the Blazers uh, players or, or the staff and, and talking to them as often as I think I would if uh, that was what I was still doing as my full-time job. Uh, what else are you working on uh, on the non-Blazers or Timbers beat that, that people can expect to see coming up? Um, so I, I'm not quite sure at this moment what, what I'll be working on tomorrow. I think it's day by day. It's sort of come up on where I'm needed, what breaking news is there, and if there's not specifically breaking news, what I can pitch, what what I'm seeing that I think needs coverage. So I think day-to-day it's been changing when I'm writing. I posted on food stamp, food assistance benefits. I, I think that was an important story because there is, I, I think, a lot of uh, there's, there was a lot of misconception out there with a lot of social media posts telling people not to shop between April 1st and 3rd because uh they said that you know low income residents that receive uh, government benefits around food food benefits would be getting their benefits on April first. Uh, that is not totally accurate. So I think that was an important post to put up there, so people are aware of what they can actually do to make sure everyone can get the groceries they need. Um, but day to day, it's changing for me, and I'm I think I don't really necessarily know what I'm doing uh, twenty four or forty eight hours from now. It just is sort of where I'm needed right now. Yeah, there's no seven day uh, roadie on the schedule. Yeah, yeah, it's very different. <laughs> well, uh, as a reader, I really appreciate your work. Whether you're writing about the Timbers and Thorns or the Blazers or uh, the coronavirus uh, issues that we're facing right now, it's it's always good to read your stuff, and it's clear. And I learned something, so thanks for everything you're doing and for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for talking to me about this. Now Joe Freeman, who's covered the Trailblazers for 13 seasons and been with the paper for more than two decades. Thanks for carving out some time amid the madness to talk today. Appreciate it. It's great to be here, Andrew. It's uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. How are you holding up, my friend? Uh, it, well, my life's completely insane. As as uh, a man with two young children, such as yourself, you can completely relate to uh, to yes. what I'm going through. It's uh, it is a uh, an insane balance of of managing kids and managing work and managing sanity all at the same time and. I don't know that I'm succeeding, but uh, but we're but we're making it. So I guess I'm doing all right. Yeah. Well, um, every day, one day at a time, and we will hopefully get through this. 
this has been kind of a different year for you in terms of your coverage, right? You've kind of taken a step back from covering the Blazers as, as uh, full-time as you have for how long now? Yeah, so I um, I have covered the Blazers for 13 seasons. My my first year for for the sports fans listening was was Greg Oden's rookie year mm-hmm. when when he hurt himself. So yeah, 13 seasons, and then uh, around Christmas I sort of transitioned away f- from just covering the Blazers to doing you know more sports enterprise and and more feature stories and kind of poking around. Uh, basically all the sports uh, that, that Oregon has to offer. Well, I should say I did for about two months <laughs> yeah. and then uh, totally switched gears as, as, as we're going to talk about here. Well, what was your March shaping up to look like? What, what were you supposed to be covering? I know you'd been writing about uh, our fantastic women's teams down in Eugene and Corvallis. Were you planning on following them or what was the agenda supposed to entail? Yeah, so right about the time everything, uh, you know, life changed, if you will. Uh, it was right in the middle of the NCAA college basketball tournaments, or or about to be the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. They were, um, you know, hosting conference tournaments, and so I was scheduled to to jump in on the Pac-12 and 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 jump in specifically on the the Ducks regional, the the the, the Ducks women's team, which was. It was one of the best teams in the country, featuring the best player in the country. Right. Um, yeah, they were going to host a regional in in Eugene, and I was going to cover that. And then after that, uh, presumably they would have advanced. And and Oregon State also was uh, is was very good, and um, and they were going to advance. And so Portland was going to host a regional at at the Moda Center, and so I was then going to cover that too. And then of course. Uh, I was still and, and have still been, uh, you know, glued to the Blazers and they were about to enter the final kind of, you know, days and games of, of their quote unquote playoff chase. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, Yusuf Nurkic, uh, fan favorite Yusuf Nurkic was, was on the verge of making his, I think he was two games away from making his return from his dramatic and, um, you know, gruesome leg injury from last year. And so there was a lot of intrigue around that. I mean, those are all, uh, you know, obviously, I'm anyone who follows me on Twitter or knows me personally knows I'm a, a huge Blazer fan. Um, but those other stories that you had in your crosshairs are huge stories of great importance to the whole state. Um, I mean, and then poof, gone in a flash. I mean, what's that like uh, from the reporter's standpoint? Well, it's uh, it sort of you, causes you to uh, recalibrate everything, and it, everything happens so fast, Andrew. And, and I think you, and, and really everybody, no matter what your job is, y- you know, we all can relate to that. From my perspective, in the blink of an eye, everything changed when Rudy Gobert, the Utah Jazz, you know, All Star Center, right. was was diagnosed with coronavirus. The NBA season immediately canceled. And then within 12 hours, that next day, I believe it was a Thursday, I was reporting on sport after sport after sport after sport at, at every level being canceled or suspended or, or just completely stopped. You know, you kind of slowly, it's like anything in life, you kind of slowly start to digest and process it all. And, and bit by bit, I was like, well, I, I better cancel those hotel reservations mm-hmm. for Eugene. <laughs> I, I better, you know, shift uh, into thinking about what we're going to do moving forward. And, and talking with with my editor, Joel Odom, you know, we were like, we're going to have to figure out something. And then, um, 
you know, not work related, you start to think about your family and you start to think about society and, and your head kind of starts spinning with all that and how it might impact what you write and, and how you report. And at the time, we didn't know exactly what was going to happen. And we didn't know that we would be here right now, you know, three-ish weeks later, chugging away as we are in a completely, completely different society. Yeah, it's it's really dramatic how quickly it happened. And, um, you know, you, you've been at the Oregonian for 21 years, and we've had some seismic global events or national events. You know, we've had the Great Recession, we've had 9-11. And I mean, in any of those events, have you been pulled in and, and started reporting on, on issues like you have with coronavirus, or is this kind of an unusual circumstance for you? It's completely unusual. It's, it's much like the entire pandemic. It's unprecedented for us. And I think what makes it so unique from a sports perspective is that there are no more sports. The sporting yeah. world is gone at every level, you know, really every level, it, professional sports, of course, college sports, of course, but high school sports, amateur sports, you know, neighborhood sports. I mean, uh, spoiler alert, Andrew and I play <laughs> basketball together every Tuesday night. Well, we haven't played hoops in three weeks. And, uh, you know, you go to parks, parks are empty. You see hoops on streets. Thankfully, they're finally empty and, yeah. and no longer people are playing pickup hoops. But literally every level of sport in the United States and, and probably around the world is just is just paused. And so over that weekend, I sort of was told by Joel, my editor, hey, heads up, uh, you know, our boss, Therese, is, wants you to move over to news and start jumping in on that. And so my focus very quickly shifted from how, how am I going to write about sports to what am I going to be writing about now and how am I going to be able to help you with the just multitude of angles and stories that we're that we're charged with with reporting now. Looking at the clips that you filed in the last couple of weeks, Joe, I mean the the breadth of it is pretty staggering. You've you've written about virtual, you know, the rise of virtual hangouts and um, you know, psychology and mental health and how that is so important right now and just the importance of keeping a routine. I mean, uh are there stories that were more fun or interesting for you to write out of everything that you filed since then? One that that really stands out is is we kind of had this idea of of what it's and and I should preface all this by saying that I was sort of assigned to the health and well being beat sure and so, and so that sort of encompasses a, a lot of the stories I've I've been doing but um, we kind of had this idea of of what's it like for kids and specifically teenagers going through this I mean imagine being a senior your whole life you've you've kind of built up in your mind what it is to be a graduating high school and prom and, and graduation and, and your sports and, and all in the blink of an eye, much like our jobs have changed, their lives have totally changed and, and all that's kind of gone. And so I kind of had the idea to, to look at a, an athlete, what it's like to lose sports and how they're coping with that, both, you know, from, from a psychological standpoint and life standpoint, but also from an athletic standpoint. And I stumbled upon, uh, this baseball player, his name is Mick Abel, and he's one of the best prospects in the nation. Like he's a top 10 major league baseball prospect and he's a high school kid, but it turns out his team at Jesuit has 13 seniors and, and two managers and 11 players. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought it would be a great window into what it's like for that segment of, of people. And for a team that's a defending state champ in baseball favored to win again, you know, to lose that sort of hopes of, of, of all those goals. And so, you know, just generally speaking, though, I, I've sort of tried to talk to 
psychologists and educators and therapists and mental health experts about, you know, how do you how do you keep mental health and, and how do you keep physical health while we're all cooped up at home? Because I don't know about you, <laughs> between my kids and my life and being trapped at home, it's starting to feel real claustrophobic. And it is. Um, I feel like we're living Groundhog Day right now. The biggest adjustment, to be honest, is talking to people about basketball <laughs> yeah. and, and sports, which, you know, in the moment, and you can attest to this because, you, as you mentioned, you're such a, a Blazers honk. Um, Blazers I mean, fans are passionate and Blazers fans are so passionate and, and it feels like a really big deal. But it's really not. I mean, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's basketball, it's sports and, and, and it's not life or death. Now, suddenly I'm talking to psychologists and I'm talking to therapists mm-hmm. and I'm talking to professional educators about the health and well-being of humans while we're navigating this this crisis. And that's been the biggest adjustment for me, wrapping my head around this psychologist who's, uh, you know, just talking circles around, <laughs> around, around me and trying to keep up with her. And, and that sort of a thing is, is, uh, has been a little bit of a, of, of a shock, but you know what I do? And, and I find this works in all settings, both, both for our jobs and life. Mm-hmm. I'm just honest with them. I'm like, Hey, I got to tell you here, I usually cover sports. I've covered the Blazers for 13 years. I don't normally talk to therapists about this sort of a thing. So just so you know, you know, help me out here with that. And, uh, you know, I talked to a, a professor at PSU yesterday and he just started laughing and he, you know, he was like, no problem. And, and everybody's <laughs> been really cordial and nice. Yeah, that that honesty, though, that usually gives you a way in and an authenticity that helps you get even better information. That's true. Yeah, I will say I, I've learned a lot over the last three weeks yeah. about about a variety of things. So that's been kind of fun. And it certainly has challenged me in, in, in new and different ways. Um, but it, it, I don't know, it, covering professional athletes for nearly 15 years mm-hmm. kind of prepares you for everything, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> like, it's it sort of sets the table for you to, to do pretty much anything you want. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking before I started rolling that uh, not every journalist would be able to say, uh, you're covering uh, Blazers Cavs tonight, uh, write a gamer and and make it tight and get it on time. And, you know, that's a skill to be quick and accurate and, and uh, you know, to, to have a compelling story that's not you know, that's, that's the essence of journalism, but I'm not, not a lot of people can do it on all sides of the spectrum. So I've appreciated what you've done for Oregonians in the last couple of weeks here. Well, I appreciate it. It makes me feel a lot better. I don't necessarily feel all that great about a lot of the stuff I've done, but, uh, people have really been nice, uh, you know, when, when reading it and responding to it, I've gotten countless emails and and nice notes from people. So it, it does, make me feel better, you know, kind of piggybacking off, off the point you made it back in our old buildings. When we had many more employees, sports department used to be right next to the politics team. Mm -hmm. And I would often hear people compare covering politics to covering sports because, you know, of the crazy deadlines and and just the crazy personalities and and the heightened kind of stress and pressure and, and just the sheer intense and passionate following from people who are paying attention. Uh, and so I, I think, in a way, if you can cover sports, you really kind of can cover everything. Like I don't consider, I consider myself an expert on the Blazers, 
I don't consider myself an expert on what I'm covering now, but but I kind of have the tools to to at least try to become one and and to talk to people who are experts that can help. And when I go talk to you know college classes or, or high school kids or whatever about the jobs that we do, there's no way to describe the challenges of writing a story in a half an hour after a game or 45 minutes or whatever, and to relay how difficult that is. Uh, it's just you can either do it or you can't. And if you can do it while covering a game, like I ended up writing the story I wrote yesterday in an hour because I didn't get a hold of anybody until late afternoon. Yeah. And so uh, it just kind of comes in handy, I guess, some of those tools. How are the Blazer players doing? Are you uh, in touch with Dame or CJ or Nurk or any of those guys? Uh, as far as I, I have not been, uh, in communication with them regularly, I, I, w- I must admit, I think they're viewing this as kind of a break and I should add they're, they're not allowed to get together as a group and play and train and, you know, practice facilities are closed. It's hard to stay in complete game shape, uh, through that. And, and all while the, the, you know, completion of the, the season hangs in the balance. It, it seems like the NBA is going to have to be get pretty creative to have some sort of a of a finish to their season. I think the Blazers had 19 games left or something like that when the season was postponed. But as best I can tell, uh I think the players are are kind of it's a mix of trying to get in a little rest and relaxation and um staying safe and staying indoors. Uh, I know CJ's been doing some of his his side job with some of his right. you know uh, podcasting and stuff and Dame Dame actually had a conference call yesterday and kind of updated his progress. He's been spending time with his with his son and his family and so I think it's in a way for these guys it's it's an unexpected and and unusual way to get a break and and get some time with your family that that they otherwise otherwise wouldn't. I will say if there is some kind of into the season that that includes some type of regular season play, this at some level can only help the Blazers who were ravaged by injuries <laughs> right, all season right. and and were about to get Yusuf Nurkic and could, should get Zach Collins back here soon. So, um, you know, a silver lining in all this for that. Although I remain skeptical that there's going to be a regular season, if anything at all. I, I just don't know how you squeeze in some kind of truncated season and then have a, a legitimate playoffs. Uh, I know that the league, Adam Silver, the commissioner in the league, is is going to get creative, but I just I have a hard time seeing how they're gonna how they're gonna do that. Now, covering sports has been your job, your career, but for the rest of us, it, it's a reprieve from daily life, or or you know, an obsession, depending on how seriously you take it. But are you looking forward to getting back to that grind? of covering sports? You know, it, uh, after doing it for 13 years, you sort of feel like you've exhausted all ways to, to tell basketball stories and to tell stories of the basketball players. But after doing this for about a week, I, I remember, uh, one day I, I, I can't remember what story it was, but I worked 12 hours. It was like seven 30 to seven 30 and went outside. It was during this, the sunny week and was in the front <laughs> yard with the kids. And I was, screamed across uh, to my neighbor, like, I, I I never thought I would miss writing about basketball so much. And so I I think I, I, I do look forward to, um, to getting back to that. And I think it, it will, I mean, getting a break from it has, has been nice. It was the move away from the Blazers to doing enterprise and features was something that I wanted to do. And it's something I asked yep. to do because I, I wanted a, a break and a change of pace. And this, 
I would say has been the ultimate uh, change of pace the last three weeks. Um, it's been very rewarding and, and challenging and, and sometimes fun, uh, but I definitely miss sports. I'm a sports fan at heart, and, and I like telling I like telling the the stories of the people and the personalities and the trends more so than than you know writing about the game itself. Um, and so, yeah, I do look forward to get back to that. And, and just from a sports fan, I look forward to having sports. As, as you said, it's, it's an, it's kind of an oasis. It's a diversion from, from screaming children and from everything else that we have going on. (laughs) Where there's no, there's literally no escape now. Yeah, there really isn't the backyard, but if it's, I mean, at least that first week we had beautiful sunny days and now it is just, I mean, it's been hailing, it's been cold, it's been raining. It's just like. At some level, something has to has to give here, and so we can get outside at least in the backyard. But, but yeah, I, as a sports fan, I I do. I mean, I hope there's a football season. I hope there's a college football season. As a sports fan, that's what I love. And so, as this thing continues to expand, it really puts in jeopardy the entire Major League Baseball season, and then moving on and into into fall sports and football, and, it, and it's worrisome. Not just you know, for sports, but society in general, but man, we, we need that diversion and that form of entertainment, us sports fans. Yeah. It both shows us how unimportant it is and also how important it is at the same time. Oh, it's so true. That's such a good way to put it. You, you you really learn to appreciate that it's not the end of the world, but it sure feels like the end of the world when you're a fan and your team isn't doing well. So I want that feeling back. Well, uh, thank you so much for your coverage the last couple of weeks. It's been really great to see your byline and all the stuff that you are are teaching me and for taking time. You're too kind, Andrew. I really appreciate uh, talking with you. And uh, when, when we get back to sports, we'll, we'll do this again uh, for something completely different down the road. Yeah. And hopefully I'll see you on a Tuesday on the, on the actual basketball court sometime soon. Thanks for listening to beat check with the Oregonian. Check out Jamie and Joe's coverage of how Oregonians are living amid this pandemic. I'll share links in the episode notes. If you listen to this podcast and like what we're doing, please leave us a rating and review in iTunes. It helps others find the show. Better yet, if you value the journalism we bring you every day, subscribe. You can pick up a print or digital subscription at subscribe.oregonlive.com. And check out our other podcasts, Peak Northwest featuring Jamie Hale and Jim Ryan, and Oregon Lives featuring Samantha Swindler and Tom Holman. Those are available anywhere you get your podcasts. Until next time.